everyone, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. You are listening to episode 47. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and today on the show, we are continuing the conversation with Megan Schantz. So this is part two of the episode. If you missed part one, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that first because Megan is pretty awesome. She is on a mission to show that you can be a feminist and still follow Jesus. And she believes that this is actually what God has called her to do. So again, in part one, we talked about what feminism is and what it isn't. And we also talked about why it's important for the whole world, every single person, no matter where you live or what gender you are, why we all need feminism. No matter where you stand in your faith beliefs, I still think you will get a lot out of this show, but Megan has a lot of good stuff to share. Today, we continue that conversation and talk about some of Megan's favorite things that she's learned since starting her own show, as well as how to deal with the haters and the critics. I do want to give everybody a heads up that today on the show, we talk a little bit about sex and even about the female anatomy. So just in case you have kids listening or anything like that, you might want to wait until you can listen on your own. This is such a good conversation, and some of the things that Megan has learned are really going to blow your mind like they did for me. We've been being lied to by a lot of society, okay? It's pretty crazy. Of course, she and I discuss some of the things that she's loving right now, like books and podcasts, as well as her favorite secondhand shopping site, so stay tuned for that. But above all else, today Megan is going to call us to action to stand up for what we believe in and remember that we're never too small to make a difference. No matter how small sometimes people try to make us feel, we are not that small. And if you're a Christian, you can relate to this because you know that God has called you to do mighty, mighty things for his kingdom. I want to remind you to not forget to leave a rating and a review for the show. The reviews help people to find the show, they give money to people in need because I'm donating for every review I receive, and it's also nice for me to hear your feedback. I want to take a second and give a shout out to someone who did leave a review. This review is from Han W. They said, awesome podcast. I love the variety and the helpful tips. Super relevant and interesting to listen to. Thank you so much for that review. It means so much to know that you guys like the show and that you're getting something out of it. And like I always say, it truly only takes a couple minutes to do that. So if you would not mind leaving a review, it would really help me out. You can even do it while you're listening. You can also subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to, whether it's through Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Spotify, any of those platforms that you're listening through, you can subscribe to the show. That makes sure that you know when the next episode is available. And I also would ask that you share the show with a friend. Word of mouth is so, so powerful, and that's another great way for people to hear about the show. That's how I learn about a lot of the shows that I love, so if you'd be willing to share, it would help me out a lot. All right, that's all I have for you. So enjoy part two with Megan. I want to ask you, we've talked, you know, obviously about sexual assault and we've talked about a few other issues and and you've talked about so many different things on your podcast. Like, I feel like I have so many episodes where I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to listen to that. Oh, wow. I need to listen to that one. And which is really awesome. I, I was wondering if if it's possible, this might be too hard of a question, but do you feel like, is there like a top three or top four or something like that of issues that you feel like are extremely relevant that you would encourage people to educate themselves on when it comes to feminism? Yeah. So there's one episode I did, which has been the most popular one we've done by far, but it's a pelvic health therapist talks about sex. And so- (laughs) 
first of all, I think there's so many misconceptions about how women respond and their bodies. And again, there's just not have, there's not information about a woman's body and sexual pleasure like there is for men. Like um, again, mm-hmm. so much of the sex industry is built for the pleasure of men. Again, condoms, birth control, like. Um, and a lot of birth controls make it really hard for a woman to climax or even have a desire for sex. And so mm-hmm. we're, we feel like it's our obligation to have painful sex. So a pelvic health therapist basically talked to me about the number of women that have that are having painful sex, which is way more than they should, but they feel like they have to, to like mm-hmm. keep their partner. Yeah. Um, right. but, um, and then also periods shouldn't even be painful. Those are signs of a tightened pelvic floor, meaning your body's always tensed. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Again, this is me paraphrasing an expert. I am not the expert. So I encourage you guys to listen to that podcast. But um, basically, if you grew up in a conservative Christian home because of so much of purity culture, our, our bodies have been like, especially our sexual organs have been tensed. Like we're always tensing or sunking in or think that sex is bad or repressing those sexual urges. And so our um, it's called tinnitus, I think, hi, like hypertinnitus, where your pelvic floor is really tight. So it makes sex painful. It makes your periods more painful. Um, and it's just not good for your pelvic floor because it's always tensed. Um, and so people just aren't even aware of that. And even her, like in the medical profession, it's like really fringe because you go to a gynecologist. For example, I went to my gynecologist and I was concerned uh, that my, I had an IUD when I first got married and I thought it was um, taking away my sex drive. And I was right mm-hmm. about that. But he told me I was wrong. And so anyways, I got it out because I trusted mm-hmm. my intuition, which is an extraordinary thing to do, especially when the doctors say, yeah. oh, that's not the problem. And I got it out. And it was like, after those hormones got out of my system, it was like night and day in terms of my ability to climax. And so women are told over and over again, like, for example, I think the statistics are, I, I think it's different for, depending on like the demographic they're doing, but it's as low as one uh, third of women actually climax during sex, something like that. It's really mm-hmm. small, or maybe it's, most of the time women don't climb. I don't know. Again, listen to that podcast because it's saying it way better than me. <laughs> but basically that women are living with painful sex and an inability to climax. And they just kind of live with that thinking that's normal. But the fact is that that's, that's not normal. It's something that's been conditioned into us. And we've been told not to pursue that. And I think a lot of women are even unaware of their own like physical anatomy. Like we're not aware of the difference between like our holes or our vulva or our labia or like what they do or what our clitoris is and how it works. Um, And so she kind of walks us through that. And then another thing that's kind of along that line is, so I know that whether or not you were grown in the church, um, there's this idea of popping a cherry or uh, Mm. breaking a hymen the first time you have sex. So that's just a myth. Like that's just a straight up myth. Like things don't pop. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) I didn't know this either until I interviewed a, a, a gynecologist. She's actually a child gynecologist. Her job, she's a pediatric sexual trauma, something Uh, But basically, she there's no so there's no evidence. You like if you look at the woman or the vagina um, of a uh, married woman who's had two kids and the vagina of someone who's never had sex, like you can't really tell a different. You can't tell if one person's had sex and one person hasn't. So like 
this idea that your like every vagina is different, but also like pretty much the same. And um, there's an, this mm-hmm. idea that there's a uh, there is a hymen that is a true thing, but we're told that it like rips or pops or something like that. And sometimes that does happen during sex, but that's because you're not aroused and that's not how you should be having sex. And so it's sort of being like a slippery open thing that the vagina should be when it's when you're having sex. It's tense and there might be some damage done there, but. The mm-hmm. vagina is actually like the inside of your mouth. So if you, you know, you bite your cheek and you yeah. have like, I don't know, it bleeds for a little bit and then it like heals itself in a couple of days. That's basically what your vagina is. So even if you incur injury from sex, which is a lot of the time when you get raped, you do need to go to um, get a rape kit almost immediately because um, if you wait even a week, your vagina could be completely healed. And so there Mm. won't be evidence of that anymore. And so when we're talking about a hymen or this idea of a cherry getting popped, like a hymen is actually like a scrunchie. Like that's, it looks like a scrunchie. It stretches like a scrunchie. It stretches to fit a penis. And so this idea that it rips or tears, that could happen, but that's more likely due to the fact that you weren't properly warmed up or he didn't do his job of getting you all ready for sex. (laughs) So that's just something that I think people need to know. Like I know growing up in church, I was terrified that I would lose my virginity to a tampon or to horseback riding because it was so valued in the church for me to be a virgin. But here's the thing. There's no such thing as a physical virginity. You cannot tell by looking at a woman whose body who had a baby versus a woman who has never had sex, whether or not they're virginal or not. And I thought you could, but you Hmm. can't. Um, Hmm. So that's a myth that's out there. And so I don't remember what episode that is, but there's another episode. So basically those are two things there's so many more. Honestly, I could go on for yeah. ages talking about the things that women don't know about their bodies because it's not talked about. <laughs> um, and it's kind of taboo to talk about. And especially when we're talking about a woman's pleasure, like that's very taboo to talk about because our even if you just look at our advertising, like what is it all about? A man getting turned on by a woman. But what about what about what about a woman? You know, like what is a woman yeah. desire? What about her sexual pleasure? And yeah, so those are two episodes I recommend you check out. One is called A Pelvic Health Therapist Talks About Sex. And I think it's in the 20s. Oh, okay. And then the other one, and there's two parts to that because after she came on, it like blew up and then people sent in questions. So the second part of that episode is just answering all of these questions that people oh, had. Okay. Yeah. And then there's another episode that's much later, I think in the 60s, I don't know, 60s or something, and it's called The Myth, the myth of Physical Virginity. Yeah. So, because, you know, you yeah. hear these songs about cherries getting popped and whatever, but hey, that doesn't happen. And it's kind yeah. of extraordinary that we come up with this myth that a penis can change a woman forever. It's just not true. Mm. And it, it has roots, obviously, in, in a a patriarchal system of controlling a woman's sexuality and that's where its roots come from and regulating that okay i mean even if you look at it's like a woman if she sleeps around a lot is called a slut but if a man sleeps around a lot he's called like a champion or whatever and so Mm -hmm. we even see these dichotomies where a woman like we're not forever changed if we have sex like you know it's um our body looks the same if especially like i yeah anyways so 
those are two mm. things I think people should know about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen to those ones. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're talking about some controversial things. People, like, can obviously get – you know, offended easily or rubbed the wrong way by some of these topics. And I mean, like you said, you're calling people out. And, and so how has that been for you? Like, what's the feedback been like? And I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you get a lot of positive feedback too, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I saw even just the other day, you posted something about, I think it was the other day, you posted something about the pandemic. And I saw one of the comments was like, hmm, you know, kind of challenging you. <laughs> and and you handled it really well. I thought, you know, you were very loving in your response. And But yeah, I mean, I would imagine that happens more often than not and probably gets kind of old. So how do you handle that feedback? And, you know, what what's the feedback been like overall? And how do you keep going even when you do get some negative feedback? Yeah, so I think there's so much to that. Um, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I get negative feedback. <laughs> um, as you can imagine, uh, someone calling themselves a Christian, and I am a Christian. I don't even want to say I'm calling myself one because I am one. You can't tell me I'm not one. Right. And advocating for something that's been demonized in the church, yeah, I get a lot of pushback, especially from certain mm -hmm. generations, <laughs> um, the boomer sure. generation. I get quite a bit of pushback from them. And so it's been hard. I've had, it's a lot of hard, like when it's like a stranger, I, like for me, like I've gotten to the point where it's like, okay, for example, what you saw me handle, I'm like, do what's best for you, but you can unfollow me. Like, you don't need to, like, yeah. if I'm offending you and this is hard for you to listen to, it's okay for you to to not follow me or not listen to my podcast. Right. But one thing I wish people didn't do was, like, message me and tell me. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't know you were listening because I don't know who you are. But you don't need to message <laughs> me and tell me that I have offended you in some way and that you can't listen to me. I wish people – that's really – Guys, if you do that, don't do that. It's, it's not cool. <laughs> but so, but for the most part, like that doesn't hurt as much. What really did hurt in the beginning, especially starting this podcast, is I had a friend who I was quite close with who told me that she didn't want to be tied to the liberal agenda anymore, and or because apparently feminism mm -hmm. is a liberal agenda, and that she like yeah. So that was really really hard. We were um, close friends, and we're trying to figure out like we've had a few conversations since of like what this looks like mm -hmm. and we don't have an answer <laughs> yeah. so I don't know that's been hard and then initially my in-laws really got, I got a lot of pushback from them and it got really bad to the point where we canceled plans to go see them <laughs> in after oh, uh, yeah. Thanksgiving like several years ago and uh, then we had to set some firm boundaries and actually tomorrow night we're talking to them for the first time in a long time like a year or so I'm really nervous yeah. <laughs> I hope it goes well yeah, and that yeah. there's but in the past it has not gone well and we set these boundaries in place hoping that we could learn to respectfully dialogue and so but right. it's, it's something that just like weighs on you especially when it's like family members and yeah uh, I know I haven't had like big fights with my family about it but I know my dad doesn't agree with anything that I say. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I know my grandma doesn't. My grandma sent me an email about how she did, like, but very, I mean, for the most part, they address it respectfully and say, I don't think you can be a Christian and a feminist. And I try and explain where I am, but, but also 
I think we need to remember that we don't live for the approval of people. We live for the approval as a Christian, for God. Like, is this what, am I doing what I think God's calling me to do? Then that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the most part, I actually get tons of positive feedback. I'd say not only do I get really, for the most part, great reviews that I read. I'm like, okay, this is why I do this. Um, But I get a lot of DMs saying, thank you so much. I feel less alone. Um, I've gotten dozens and dozens of messages about because of you, I can still call myself a Christian uh, because of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because again, the model of Christianity that was presented to us is like, you can't be a Christian and be a feminist. And so they felt like I showed them a way that you could. (laughs) And for those people, they said that their faith was saved um, because of the things that I talk about, because I can show that you can be both. And so for me, like, I don't remember my critics because they exist and I'm very aware of them. I remember who needs me to speak up. And in my memoir, I talk about a lot of these women that I met. And so I don't think about, you know, Karen, who doesn't like what I'm saying. I think about uh, (laughs) my friends in the Philippines who survived the sex trade. I think about women who've survived female genital mutilation that I've met. Um, I think about me as a little girl being told what I could and could not do. I think of the one third of women that are sexually assaulted in the United States and the one in five or one in six that is raped. Um, I think about women being turned away from healthcare. I think about our maternal maternal mortality rates. I think of what black women have to face. I like I think of the 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 vitriol that people direct at women politicians. Yeah. So I yeah, I don't I don't think of I try not to focus on the critics. To to say I don't think of them is untrue. I, I definitely think of them. And when they're really mean, I cry about it. And sometimes I yeah. cry about it for two days. And I, then I pull myself up and I'm stronger because I can survive criticism. But I think especially for us as women, we've been raised to please. We've been raised Mm -hmm. not to show our authentic selves as long as you're keeping peace or supporting someone else. And so I think we have an extra hurdle to come over. Um, And and if we're we're talking about white women culture, um, this is something I've learned from following black activists. Like we specifically are told not to speak back. Like we are told, you know, be quiet and like uh, honor your husband and and support him in all the ways. Um, And so when we speak out about about injustice, especially in our culture, we can face a lot of vitriol for it. Mm -hmm. There's a really great book that I just read called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. But something she says in the book is what's better uncomfortable truths are comfortable lies. And I think so much of what we've been taught to do is be tell, tell comfortable lies. Like, oh, I'm okay that this guy just harassed me. Like, I'm okay. It's okay. It's okay that women aren't treated equally. Like, it's okay that I'm sexually harassed in the workplace. Like, that's okay. Like, we're told not to like, and you can see when women bring this to attention, like, Man, mm-hmm. there's so much pushback against it. Um, and so to say, actually, I'm not okay with this. I think this is unjust. It's it's uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's also the truth. And the truth is always better than a lie. And so I would just encourage people to, yeah. to use your voice. And it can be baby steps yeah. at first. I'm not expecting you to like start a podcast or write a book or, you know, you don't have to like go to the extremes. You can ha- You can start with small conversations with your family or your partner or your friends and be like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm starting to question this. Like, right. And what you're going to find for the most part is 
well, obviously you're going to start those with the people you trust at first, and they're going to be feeling the same way as you most likely. And it's not, and you'll get into the bigger sphere and maybe post something on Facebook or Instagram, and you might get a little bit of pushback, but you're a survivor and you can handle criticism. Like mm-hmm. you're a big girl, like mm-hmm. they can say what you want about you, but in the end, you have to be accountable to the truth that's inside of you. And in the end, I'm accountable to the truth inside of me, and I'm accountable to the stories that I've listened to and the women that I've listened to, and I'm accountable to God. And if you're, you can say what you want about me, but ultimately I'm going to keep on doing this because I know this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm very confident about that. And if right. I start to doubt it, I spend some time in prayer. And God reminds me, no, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm very proud of you. And I'm like, okay, like, let's, yeah. let's do this again. So take time to pray. Take time to rest. If you, if someone says something hurtful, like, please cry about it. Because then you don't, like, for me, it's better just to feel that release and that pain um, in the moment than it is to carry that around for a long time. And so if I get something that I listen to my body and, and if I'm like, okay, I need to take a break right now, I go ahead and sit on my hammock and I go cry about it or I journal or I pray or I read. But yeah, yeah so yes, I have <laughs> encountered quite a bit of pushback um, and right. I know I will encounter more. I'm very aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'm not accountable to my critics I'm accountable to God. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Thank you for that. If you had one main message you wanted people to walk away with from today, what would it be? Or would that be it? <laughs> what you just shared? <laughs> one main message. Okay, so yeah. I'm thinking, so for my conclusion of my book, that's that I mean, that's probably my main message. I think a lot of the times it's easy to feel powerless. Mm-hmm. And the grand scheme of things, like we feel like whatever you're passionate, maybe it's about um, the environment or racial justice or feminism. There's some issue that's going to get you like, for lack of a better word, hot and bothered. <laughs> it's going to get you yeah. like fired up. Um, what is that one issue? And I know that a lot of people feel like, oh, I can't make a difference. The truth is that you can. And actually talking from a Christian perspective, I believe that people are God's plan for redemption. Um, Obviously, Jesus modeled a life. Jesus is redemption, but we have to choose to buy into that and bring kingdom to the earth, um, as it says, or bring heaven to earth. And so I think it is our responsibility and God's plan to bring redemption to this earth. So the question is, what do you feel like you're called to bring redemption to? And why aren't you doing it? Like, Mm -hmm. Educate yourself. First, obviously, educate yourself. I think a lot of times, and in my book, I talk a lot about how I I've, I've, uh, dove in before I educated myself. And it, I learned, I was, I was embarrassed. I learned a lot from the situation, but I also think like educating yourself cannot be underestimated. So if you're passionate about something, right. find books, find authors, podcasts, listen to it. And then secondly, begin to speak out, whether that's start small, start with your family members, start with your partner, your friends, and then learn how to develop that voice and make a difference. You're not helpless. And so um, I know right now, especially during uh, this crisis, it can feel like a lot of things are out of our control. And it's true. A lot of things are out of our control. Like I'm not arguing with that. What I am saying is there's little things you can do to make a difference. And so if you're, for example, Ahmaud Aubrey was um, recently shot and then Breonna Taylor, like there's racial injustice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being sad about that, 
Well, then call someone. And so call the district attorney, call big, call your senators, call your representatives saying, I'm not okay with this. Get people to vote. For the last election, far too many of my generation millennials did not vote. Um, And I think we're seeing the consequences of that. (laughs) Um, We've seen Mm -hmm. the consequences of that. I just, we're not as helpless. Like we can't change the world. Um, No, I don't think we can change the whole world. But I think we can do little things in our spheres of influence that do make a big difference. And Mm -hmm. so to find what those things are that you're passionate about, know that you can survive criticism. You're going to be okay. You're going to be actually stronger for it. It's going to be painful. I won't lie to you about the pain, but you can Mm -hmm. handle pain. Like we can handle pain. And just do something about it because um, I do believe that God put us on this earth to bring kingdom to the earth. And so the question is, what what are you going to do about it? And, mm-hmm. and what does that look like in action? Not discounting prayer, but a lot of times I think we can forget to act in this world. Sure. <laughs> that we can't do things like physically on this earth. Right. So yeah, that's what I would say. That's, that's what I would want people to take away with. Mm, such a good message. I love that. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you some fun questions. Okay. And you've already given us a few good recommendations of different things to check out. But what would you say is, if you can pick, the most impactful book that you've read? Gosh, there's so many good books out there. Um, <laughs> I would imagine for an author, that's especially hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll start with some recent books and then just a classic. So I'm going to say the Harry Potter series, which people like – I read Harry Potter – the first book when like I turned a year old or with him, like I'm the same age of Harry Potter in terms of the books coming out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. And so like when he entered like whatever year I've entered the same year in school. And so I okay, feel yeah. a special connection with Harry yeah. Potter. And I also feel like it teaches so much about morals and being brave and standing up and doing the right thing. And so mm-hmm. if you haven't read the Harry Potter series as an adult, do that. And also, if you haven't seen the movies either, read the books first. Yeah. yeah. So Harry Potter, for sure, will always be my favorite. I will come, I've read those series uh, at least five times and I will continue to mm-hmm. read them as I get older. So yeah. that's something that I think is a great series. Two books that I've really loved um, as of late that I've read is Glennon Doyle's Untamed, which I briefly mentioned. Um, it really talks about mm-hmm. the whole premise of the book is basically that women have been tamed or being raised to be tamed. And, and you know, like I've mentioned, be small, keep people happy. I mean, but that's not really what we were created to do. And so her kind of coming to that realization and, and doing that and then the other book I really loved, just so beautiful, so artfully done, is Chanel Miller's uh, "Know My Name." Oh my gosh, that book! Yeah. If I like when I look at someone I want to write like, it's Chanel Miller. And so mm. I've those two books I've read recently, and they've been really inspiring to me. Yeah, that one sounds really, really good. I'm definitely adding that to my list, and I also love Harry Potter. <laughs> so awesome! And is there a little dog there by you? Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. I always say dogs are welcome on the show. I heard a little squeak. So it's like, that sounds like a dog toy. (laughs) What about something that you've listened to recently that you think everybody needs to hear? Like another podcast, obviously besides yours or documentary or anything? Um, 1619. Um, Oh yeah, you mentioned. I mentioned that earlier. Um, I think 
we all need to educate ourselves in anti-racism. And my mind was blown. And and I hate, I know that sometimes Black activists are like, okay, like you, like, because as a white woman, we're continually shocked by <laughs> this new injustice that we hear, but it's not surprising to them. So right. just a word of caution, don't express that outrage or like just can't believe that shock uh, to black activists because it can be exhausting for them. But for me, I am continually shocked by um, what I'm learning about the systems that our nation has in place. And so 1619, I think it's only five episodes, maybe six episodes, very well done that talks about racial injustice and how that's infected, affected so much of our society. For example, um, our healthcare system. So there's just so much there, but briefly, just one of the episodes talks about how, so when we emancipated slaves, um, we were originally, there was, we were supposed to give them land, something to go on uh, so that like literally when you emancipated the slaves, like they were left with nothing and they don't have jobs. They don't have land. They don't have food. They don't have anything. Like, so it was great mm-hmm. that we emancipated them, but we also had taken away all of their resources. So we literally right. threw people onto the streets. Like, That is what the emancipation of slaves looked like. And so in response to that, a lot of black people, freed slaves started dying in like huge numbers and there would be dead people on the streets. And so the government was like, okay, well, we need to do something about this. And I wouldn't even say their intentions for wanting to do something about it were completely pure, but they decided they needed to do something about it. And so they started doing a, like a, basically a universal healthcare system and uh, we're starting to help these specifically Black people who were left with nothing, you know, when they were emancipated. And because there's so much racism towards these Black people, that is one of the reasons we do not have universal health care today. So there's just so much there, and they do a much better job about unpacking it than I do. But so much of our society, like, we are also the only developed nation without universal healthcare. These are questions we need to ask ourselves. Why are we different? Why why don't we have universal healthcare? Why are we against it? Are, are so many people, why have you been taught to be against it? So maybe you actually do feel like, no, we, like, we shouldn't have that. Well, like, let's ask some questions about how we got here. And so mm-hmm. I think that 1619 opened my eyes to a lot of things about like, how did we get here? I don't feel like we, I think... Sometimes we're not curious enough of people to ask why we see these issues. And and we don't ask why. Why is homelessness an issue? Why is abort, like, why are there so many abortions? Why why are these things happening? And then there's always a cause and we can do something about the cause. And so 1619 goes into that specifically when it comes to racial inequality. But the ramifications on a society wide basis are really quite eye-opening and so I highly recommend 1619. Hmm, Yeah that's super good to know and I think too sometimes part of the reason we do that is because we don't want to know like I know I know I like and I've been there before too like sometimes like oh my gosh I can't handle more bad news like I don't want to know and but at the same time it's like do I really just want to go around being uneducated like is that really how I want to live my life And I always encourage people, like, don't just listen to something and get depressed about it, but, like, let it move you into action. Because for most of these things, there's something we can do about it, whether it's, like, an actual tangible thing or maybe it's just talking about it with other people. But don't let it move you into depression, (laughs) but let it move you into doing something. So, 
and and maybe that is prayer like you said like maybe just pray about it and if that's the biggest thing you can do like at least there's that you know at least it's something yeah and it's usually bigger than we realize that it is so yeah and I think something we tend to do is we we tend to like demonize quote-unquote negative emotions sadness anger Um, I think those are always actually clues of what we can do better. And this is something my therapist has talked to me about. Like, if I'm feeling anger, it's showing me that something, okay, something's not right here. What is this thing not right? And what what Mm -hmm. is it telling me? Because it's actually communicating information. So if I'm feeling Mm -hmm. sad, what is this communicating to me? And what can I do to, like, to listen to that sadness or that anger? What is it telling me to do? So in a lot of Parts. I was really, really angry after the 2016 election. And mm-hmm. I started asking, why am I angry? What is this telling me to do? What is the information I'm getting here? Why am I angry? Instead of just bypassing mm-hmm. those emotions, those negative emotions are actually really good indicators of things you should pay attention to. And also, if you don't allow yourself to feel negative emotions, you can't feel positive emotions like joy and health, you know. So as, as much as you can feel negative emotions, that's uh, I've heard the threshold that you can also feel positive emotions. And so that's something I think we should just do better about as a society is, is paying attention to what mm-hmm. emotions are telling us. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, for sure. Okay, and last but not least, what about a brand or a product that you're really liking lately? Anything you can recommend people? Um, yeah, so okay, so I'm not super like brand affiliated. <laughs> so okay, I'll say a few things that I'm really stoked about lately because I just got them. Okay. okay. One thing is I just got a monitor because my my neck was hurting so much from looking down at my laptop and I got a monitor yeah. at high level night and day difference my like I feel like I can work like I would have to take breaks from work before because my neck would hurt and now I'm like mm. no like this is amazing so if you've ever yeah. getting a monitor and you work from home do it um another yes. thing is I'm into sustainable so something else I've been doing is like educating myself specifically about I used to buy a lot of clothes I'm not that person anymore but I used to be that person I wasn't aware of the harms of fast fashion so the way mm-hmm. buy clothes and they end up in landfills and that uh, the fashion industry is actually the second largest polluting industry in the world which is crazy yeah but mm-hmm. so I've been a lot more into sustainable fashion I buy I have a pledge um, where last year I only bought secondhand clothes but this year I'll, mm-hmm. allow, I'll, I'll, I'll allow myself to buy non-secondhand clothes but I just mm-hmm. realized I don't really need them like sometimes if I yeah yeah so anyways there's people are like well it's not easy you have to go to a thrift store and especially now with COVID whatever yes you're right. You can't probably go sifting through the racks right now with coronavirus. But what you can do is there's an excellent site called ThreadUp, dot com, And it's basically an online store of secondhand clothes. You can literally find anything that you need. It's going to be cheaper than what you're going to spend from a firsthand. It's not like super cheap. I don't want you to be like, oh, it's going to be like $3. A few things are $3. But for the most part, like, I'd say um, a shirt's maybe like $13, 13 mm-hmm. So definitely way cheaper than what you would buy if you're buying firsthand. But these secondhand shirts sure. have like, you can search for anything you want. If you like online shopping, you just scroll through there. And then you, they you can, if the things don't fit, you can try on and send back. Um, and so I get most of my clothes from ThreadUp. And I also realize I just don't really need as much clothes as I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I keep on getting rid of them. But um, ThreadUp is a great place. And then I also check out my local. Th- I have a clothes mentor, which I really like here. So I think oh, those, are, 
Yeah, those are two things. And also Close Mentor is now moving online. So if you can't find something okay. you can get thread up, you can check out Close Mentor and they might have something secondhand. So those are some two things that I don't think enough people know about but are great um, products. Yeah, yeah. And ThreadUp is nice too, like, because there's Poshmark, but that's like individual people selling clothes. Whereas ThreadUp, I'm pretty sure, like, they buy the clothes from you and then they sell them. So you're not necessarily like dealing with like bargaining with people or, yeah. you know, trying to negotiate, which might be kind of nice to do. Yeah. So, and there's just, cool. kind of, there's way more selection. You can just find, sure. like, literally. You can type in a brand that you like. So like one of my favorite yeah. brands is I really like Lulu's. And so I just type in Lulu's and I look at all like it's it's great. It's like a brand new dress for like a quarter of the price. And mm-hmm. it come and I can try it on. And if it doesn't fit, I can send it back. There is a restocking yeah. fee of $1.99. But like whatever, they give you the money back and it's $1.99 to try it on. So sure. yeah. So I yeah, I, I think it's great. I like Threadable. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's good to know. All right. So how can people find you, get them, you know, your, your Instagram handle, podcast name, all that good stuff, ways to find you. Yes. So um, my podcast is called Faith and Feminism. You can find it I think everywhere podcasts are, but maybe not Stitcher because someone told me I'm not on Stitcher and I haven't figured out okay. how to get there yet. Um, okay. <laughs> maybe I need to. I'll have to show you because I know I'm on Stitcher. So. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not on Stitcher, but maybe I will by the time you listen to this. Um, and then I have an Instagram, which my handle is my first name and my last name, which is hard to spell. So I'm just going to spell it for you. M-E-G-H-A-N, like Megan Markle. And then my last name is Chance. T-S-C-H-A-N-Z as in zebra. I usually have to spell that out more thoroughly, yeah. but it's just a lot. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, chance. Um, if you go to the Faith and Feminism, so I also have an Instagram called Faith and Feminism, which is a lot easier to spell and it will connect me, you to my personal Instagram. It says host Megan Chance. And I also have a Facebook group called Faith and Feminism. So a lot of times I know if we're getting into this, it's like hard to like talk about it or you don't feel like you don't have people to talk to about it. Go ahead and post sure. it in that group. Um, and it's a great place to have conversations. Sometimes I have to, I don't like moderating. A few times I have to moderate when things get a little rowdy. But I'm telling you, sure. anything that you've thought about that you can't, you feel like you can't talk about, it's been talked about there. And for the most part, we're yeah. really good at having respectful conversation. But cool. yeah, yeah. And That's I'd also really like cool, to, yeah. to have people bear in mind, people sometimes like message me like, do you agree with this? Because this person posted it. I'm like, no, but I'm not going to censor them because someone needs to talk about it. Like I, so I'm pretty hands off in that group unless things go crazy. Um, And I have a team, (laughs) but yeah. So sometimes the things they post are like, oh, wow. Like, okay. (laughs) I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm glad you have a place to talk about it. And so I, I do want people to, I've had people leave the group. Like, I can't believe you or for this. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not, but I'm also not going to censor people because I think they should, we should learn how to have respectful conversation about this issue. Mm-hmm. So those are, that's where you can find it. Cool. Well, I'll make sure to put links to all that stuff so everybody can access it. But um, yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time to share with us, uh, being vulnerable and sharing your story and your feelings and thoughts about things, but also just your boldness to take on some of these topics that do need to be addressed. And, you know, the fact that you do 
obviously encounter negative feedback, but that it's not stopping you from tackling important topics. I thank you on behalf of a lot of people, you know, who I'm sure feel like, you know, are really thankful that you are bold enough to to go after this and to keep going even when you do face the pushback. So thank you for doing what you're doing and for taking the time to share with us about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. What are you called to bring redemption to and why aren't you doing it? Such powerful words that Megan left us with, and I hope that you are feeling empowered to start taking action on the things that you care about. Remember, these can be really small action steps. They don't have to be anything major like writing a book or starting a podcast, but just do something. Have a conversation with a friend or a family member. Do some research on your own and learn more about the topic. There are going to be critics along the way, but we are strong enough to handle them. I'm not sure about you, but I'm ready to go. I've said it before, but Megan has a way of making me feel all fired up and empowered and ready to take on the world. If you enjoyed listening to what Megan had to share today, I just know that you are going to love her show, Faith and Feminism. So I highly recommend that you check that out on whatever app you're listening to. There are links to the shows that she referenced of hers that are some of the more popular shows in the show notes today, as well as everything else that we reference, like the books and the podcasts that she mentioned. Those are all in the show notes that you can read on the app that you're listening to in the view more description, or you can view them on my website at heartfelthippy.com. And while you're doing that, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you know when a new episode is out. Remember, subscribing is free to do. It doesn't cost anything to you. It's just a way for you to know when a new show is available. I am releasing episodes more frequently now, so you really don't want to miss out on that. Also, don't forget to leave a rating and a review and share the show with a friend. I would love to hear what your biggest takeaway was from both part one and part two. You can message me privately or even better, post it online. Share what you learned with the world and tag me in it because I want to know. So use your voice to stand up for what you believe in. Remember that you're accountable to God and not to others and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. 